what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. My name is Pam. And I'm Jeremy. Thanks for listening this week. Before we get the show started this week, we want to give you an update on the latest stuff going on in Kelly Land. We do Kelly Land or Kelly World. Let's do Kelly World. I think. Okay. Be, I don't know. I don't know. I I do like Disney World better than Disney Land, so maybe yeah, that's, it just go flows Kelly better. World. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Pam, I'm going to say this right now. I think you called it uh, in a previous episode. You predicted that a second Christmas single was going to be coming. At a girl. What can I say? Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> although a lot of people are probably. I don't care. A lot of people are probably like, but I thought it was Mariah Carey's version. She's covering a song called All I Want for Christmas is You, but it is not Mariah's. It's by Vince Vance and the Valiants. Is that how you say it? That's right. Yeah. And it's a it's a classic Christmas song. Um, You know, some people look it up if you get a chance. It's a it's actually a very pretty song. Um, And it's a staple on, you know, your your all Christmas radio stations every year. Uh, I, I'm very excited to hear her cover it. I, I don't know uh, the last time I've heard a decent cover of this particular song, but I'm excited for it. Uh, she posted the sort of, I mean, I don't know if we even call it a single cover anymore. She just sort of posted a promotionally looking image of her looking somewhat wintry uh, in that uh, that glittery, I mean, is that a dress? What is that, Pam? I, I don't know. I think it's a dress. Yeah, I, don't yeah, know I mean, it's here's the thing she looks great but it's just like it's just the cover was just not done well like the whole fonts and just it looks kind of like graphic design is my passion you know that like meme (laughs) we all have (laughs) that friend we all have that friend i I mean yeah yeah, this this looks like this could have been a cover that we would have seen like on the express maybe back in 2007 where somebody, yeah. somebody just took like a promotional photo and <laughs> put a wintry background on the back of it. When I when, when I first read this, it's Vince Vance. I just thought of Vance Refrigeration from The Office. <laughs> I feel like every episode recently, I've just been tying it back to The Office. I was going to say relevant. that's that's yet another Office reference yeah. for uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think it's it's coming out November 13th. Yep. So we it's coming up soon. More yeah. Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's Kelly's uh, Kelly's theme. Yeah, and probably in our in our next episode, we will uh, have a review of the new single and give you our thoughts on it. Um, you know, I've been listening more to Under the Mistletoe a bit, and I really do like th- – I'm liking the song the more I listen to it. A- again, it's not underneath the tree. It's not even Christmas Eve for me. Um and man, I because I, I've sort of started Christmas music now. I know you wait for a bit, but I've started, and I I forgot how much I love uh, Christmas Eve. I really do like that song a lot. <laughs> uh, it, again, I I mean, underneath the tree is the gold standard for me for Kelly Christmas songs because it just has that. And I've said this before: the whole Phil Spector wall of sound mm-hmm. sound. Um, there was an interesting article that I read years ago about there was like a formula for how to make a really, really great Christmas song. And they said that Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas uh, follows this and as does Underneath the Tree. And it's that 
again, what they call the wall of sound, where there's just so much going on in the background. I mean, if you if you really stop and listen to Underneath the Tree, ignore the vocal and just listen to everything going on in the background. There is a lot of layers of things going on. And I think that that's one of the reasons why that song is so good. Um, but I'm very interested to see uh, if this new song is a little more stripped-ish down or if it is uh, a little more closer to like a Christmas Eve underneath the trees yeah. kind of a sound. One more thing just to add for the Christmas thing while we're at it. Um, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day and, you know, people or pages, they'll just post ads, you know, if they're selling stuff. Yeah. And I saw something that caught my eye. I posted it on our Twitter and our Instagram story. There is a new Kelly merch item out there. It is an ornament. It is Kelly green and it's under the mistletoe. Although the word the looks like me. So it looks like under me mistletoe. Um, And I sent that to Rob. I sent it to you as well, but I sent that to Rob and he's like, it's almost like Kelly's a pirate under me mistletoe. I'm like, well, she's got the eye patch thing going for her. And I responded that it sounded like she was Irish and that's why she made the ornament green. It's like, under me mistletoe. Oh, and that works too. We have so many things. But yeah, um, it's on the website. It's only it's like 15 bucks. Yeah. I think it's on her website. I don't, I mean, so I, I found a link for it. If you can't find it on the website, just go to our Twitter. And you might need to scroll back a little bit, but um, it's there. And Merry Christmas to you all. That uh, that <laughs> ornament reminds me, and, and we're sort of, I think we're sort of done talking about the uh, the new Christmas song, but... I have, and maybe it's just because I'm a, a Kelly follower. Have you been getting served a lot of ads in your Facebook about Kelly's Meaning of Life merch? Yeah, that's where I saw it. And I, yeah. They're only doing it because they're probably, they want to get rid of it because exactly. they probably order too much. As someone who deals with merch, yeah, yeah, you just want to get rid of it. They have like overstock, I think. I also wondered if, because, you know, the, the, the record is three years old now. I just wonder if they're trying to get rid of the merch because... Maybe early 2021 is when we're going to get details about a new album and maybe they're just trying to get everything out so they can clear it all out so that they can make room for new merch and new stuff for a new album era. Absolutely. I I mean, I have no insight, inside info, so I don't want anyone thinking, oh, my God, she knows something. But just from I used to do a lot of merchandising and that's very very plausible yeah um that they had a lot of overstock and they're like all right uh let's try to get rid of this so i think between now and the holidays you're gonna see a lot more um kelly merchandise ads on your facebook (laughs) targeted to you (laughs) um that's how i found the christmas ornament so you know what it worked i mean i'm not buying it because i don't have a christmas tree but i let all of you know so you've done your job I've done my job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, we're we're just speculating. We don't have any sort of inside information, like no. Pam said. So, um, either way, I mean, look, I think 2021 is going to be an exciting year, and I would be willing to bet that uh, maybe closer to Black Friday, we're going to see a lot of that meaning of life merch go on sale. So, you know, if you I can finally, I I can finally buy the uh, the uh, coasters I've been wanting for four years. <laughs> I've been really eyeing those, but I'd never bought them. I have to say, and you know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think Meaning of Life had my least favorite merchandise out of just about any album era. It there, ju- it just didn't really move the needle for me. Um, I really loved the tour shirt. Uh, I bought the long sleeved uh, Meaning of Life yep. tour with the dates and ju- like I don't, me too. I don't love 
Kelly shirts that have like her face all over them. Don't get me wrong. I've purchased them before, but as I've gotten older, I don't like faces on my t-shirts as I much. Agree. That's with anyone, not even just Kelly, like for the most part. I mean, obviously there's a few, we say this, it's funny enough. Jeremy and I are both wearing like artist shirts right now. I yeah. can't even see mine. He's wearing a Prince one and I'm wearing it like a different one. Like, that, like, yeah. Like have. both of us are wearing artist shirts with their faces on them. With so the we're being very contradictory, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I have, I was just not a big fan of a lot of the, the stuff they put out. I thought, I thought it was a little lazy, honestly. I thought they could have really gone for more. They started to kind of toe in and, and get creative with specifically like the Love So Soft stuff. But when you just like scribble a lyric on a hat and charge us, you know, 30 bucks for it. Eh, yep. Not yeah. really. I'm not really into that. Um, I will say that, you know, if there was anything that I was even slightly considering buying, it was maybe that Love So Soft shirt. Um, but even still, I'm like, I mean, they would have to mark that down like yeah cheaper than i could find it like coals <laughs> you know i mean like <laughs> it needs to be real cheap before i'm like okay i'll pull the trigger on this uh so hopefully yeah. the next album era comes with uh somebody who's got some creativity for the merch and and does some cool stuff i mean again you know like we started talking about this with the with the ornament it's like okay you put the name of your christmas song on an ornament i mean i know a lot there's people out there who are going to buy it because they love little collectibles like that but i mean that's not an ornament that I see like really meaning a lot to me and putting on a tree because I really enjoy it. I mean, you give me like a, you know, like a claymation Kelly, you know, Christmas <laughs> ornament or something. Hell yeah. I'll put that on my tree. That's funny. That's great. That would be so cool. You know, get a series yeah. of like four of them with great outfits or something. Yeah. Kelly or, you know, whoever your management is or Atlantic, whoever, whoever is in charge of merchandise, hit us up if you want ideas. Seriously, I'm happy to brainstorm. <laughs> pro, pro, pro bono. <laughs> yeah. Look, no bad ideas in brainstorming. I just want to kick some ideas around, uh, give you the fans perspective. We're here for you. Uh, all right. I think that's our update for all the things that are new in Kelly world. There you go. This week we have a fun episode on tap because it is our first mailbag episode. We get questions constantly via email and social media. And so we decided to take some of those questions and answer them all in one fail swoop in one big episode of mailbag. And we'll be doing these from time to time. And so uh, we've got a lot of questions to answer, Pam. So why don't you start us off? Yes, and we just want to preface, we had a lot of people sending stuff in, and just for time purposes, we can only answer so many, but don't fret, we're definitely going to have more of these episodes, and we will, we're will we holding on to everyone's questions, so if we didn't answer it this time, we can definitely answer it next time. So yeah, so please send your questions pre in. Preface with that. Yeah. So my first question that I'm going to answer is, um, it's going to be a question from Godfrey. Now, this question is really good. Three male and three female artists that we want to see Kelly collaborate with. Mm. So I I have a lot, so I really had to narrow it down. I'm going to have a couple of honorable mentions. So for men, I'm going to go, first of all, with Justin Timberlake. And I don't count the Trolls soundtrack as any sort of <laughs> duet. I don't count that. So I want like a legitimate recorded duet. Um, my second one would be Dan Auerbach, who is the lead singer of the Black Keys. He has yep. kind of like a rugged yet really smooth and buttery voice. And um, either him or with the whole band, I would love to see 
uh, Kelly collab with them. Um, they're like my favorite band. So, and my number three is going to be Dave Grohl, which I've mentioned probably in half of these episodes. I love him and I love the Foo Fighters. So that would be yep. amazing. And I have two honorable mentions because I just couldn't cut it down. Um, honorable. The first one is Chris Martin from Coldplay. I feel like a Kelly Coldplay yes. duet could be really cool. That could be really cool. And the other one might actually happen. You never know. It's with Leon Bridges because yes. he's her advisor oh. on The Voice this season. And as soon oh. as I heard that, I was like, we need we need this duet. We need this duet so badly. Oh, I I Ugh. love him so much. And I would absolutely love to hear the two of them collaborate together. Oh, oh my good God. choice. It would be so good. Thank you. And for my three females, um, number one is going to be Pink. And I don't count the award show duet that we got of uh, – they did R.E.M., right? I believe I so. They did like – yeah. I don't count that. I want like something in – all these are studio, you know. So live stuff is great, but we're going to – I want studio. The next one I don't think is ever going to happen, sadly. It is uh, Miranda Lambert. That she is one of my favorite people oh. ever. At. She's probably the artist I've seen the most aside from Kelly, but I don't anticipate that ever happening in the immediate future for obvious reasons. Um, and my last one is an artist that I don't think many people at all have ever heard of, and I only heard of her last year. Her name is, I might be butchering her name. It's uh, Nanette Tayeb, and she's this really awesome Israeli singer who actually I think won Israel's like idol a couple years, like probably about 10, 15 years ago. And um, she has like a really cool rocker vibe. She's kind of like a mix of like Amy Lee meets Amy Winehouse kind of. Um, She's really good. She opened up for one of my clients on tour last year. That's the only reason why I know her. And she, uh, if you want to check her out, she did a cover of Joni Mitchell's Woodstock and she totally just made it like a, super rock version and i think their voices would be really good on like a really loud powerful track so that is my choices of people i like to see kelly collaborate with nice um i i didn't put a ton of thought into this but i do have some and i i will go ahead and steal one of yours uh and put leon bridges in um this needs to happen during the voice this year even if it's uh just a minute and a half kind of a length of a song or something it's got to happen i just think those two would sound so good together my second choice uh is a bit of a long shot and actually my second and third choices are a bit of a long shot but hey you never know uh i would love to see kelly uh duet with elton john nice that would be incredible yeah and that's just more of a bucket list wouldn't it be great if these two people sang together um I, I mean, I don't want them to do like, you know, don't go breaking my heart or anything. Like I want them to come up with a, a unique song to do together. Uh, and then my third choice is a definite pipe dream. Never going to happen. No reason for these two artists to really even be in the same room. But wouldn't it be great to hear a Kelly Clarkson Pearl Jam duet? Oh, my God. Eddie Vedder and Kelly singing together. I would flip my shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I, I well, you know hear... what? Kelly and Dave Grohl shouldn't, wouldn't be in probably in the same room. So, like, if her and Dave Grohl ever happen, then her and Eddie Vedder can happen. That can happen. But you know what? Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters in general, they're, they're just a little more, like, I don't want to call them experimental, but they're willing to do 
the the different, the weird, the unexpected, more so than Pearl Jam. I mean, Pearl Jam has sort of just settled in as a straightforward legendary rock band. They don't they don't need to do anything anymore. They could have made their last album, rode off into the sunset, just perform live for the rest of their career, and everyone would be fine. But Foo Fighters and yeah. and to an extent Dave Grohl are out there doing different, interesting things every now and again, and they could do something unexpected like this. So I'd be all for it. All right. So oh my my, God, so my female artist, uh, first and foremost, is Alanis Morissette. Yes. Uh, I think sign me up. <laughs> I think that they would do a really killer duet together. Um, now, if we were to rewound this about ten years, I would have said Kelly and Jewel. So I was super stoked to have the uh, the Foolish Games uh, duet. Uh, I thought that they sounded really good together. But um, if I can't already, if I've already got Jewel as sort of my '90s selection. I went with Alanis because I think that those two would sound really good together. Uh, a new, another one that I really like is Julia Michaels. I think she's a really great singer. I, I, for some reason, I, I'm very attached to her. I like her a lot. Um, so I think that they would have a very interesting dynamic together. Uh, Julia is also a really great songwriter. Uh, so I think that the two of them could really come up with something special. Interesting. I actually, uh, just to cut you off there for a split second, um, this was, Probably the week after Love So Soft came out, Kelly did one of those radio concerts in New York um, for one of the stations here, and uh, Julia had just started. I think Issues that, that, that I think that's what is that what the yeah. song's called her like her first big hit. Uh-huh. It had just it was just out, and she opened for Kelly, and I was really d- disappointed in her. I know she's a great songwriter, but like live, I was really not impressed. But maybe she's better in the studio, uh-huh. or she was just nervous. I don't know. Sure. Maybe I'll give her that. Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, finally, this is sort of, again, pipe dream. But I really think that if we're ever going to bridge the uh, the the chasm that is between the fan bases and really come together as a loving group of fans, there someday, whether it be in the studio or alive, there should be a duet of Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Oh my God. People would flip their, you I know mean, what? they look, I, I mean, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, <laughs> the whole thing, the dead rising from the grave. Uh, yeah. I mean, that would happen if it did happen. And, and again, there is no reason for the two of them to get together. I mean, I think, you know, people used to be like, Oh yeah, I don't think that Kelly and Carrie are different people. Cause you never see them together in the same room. And then they finally got on the red carpet together. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just so curious to hear the two of them together. I, I think, I don't know if the egos will even allow for it because I don't know. And this is me being the Kelly Homer fan, but I don't know <laughs> if Carrie Underwood would want to be outsung on a song by Kelly Clarkson. The thing is, and the, the, the thing is like, I, I don't know if either of them would be at song because they're both just so good. I don't know if it's going to be like vocal gymnastics, like, you know, each of them trying to outsing each other. I don't know, but it's like when um, uh, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey did a song together yes, and you're just like, Ooh, yes. stand back and watch this. But it worked. Like, yeah. I mean, it worked with the two of them together. Yeah. It wasn't a huge hit, but it worked. Um, I'm not saying I'm trying to get them to make, you know, the greatest song that's ever been sung because we all know that Tenacious D already did that. Um, but, uh, Oh, nice. That but, was a nice throw and no one's going to get no that. No one's going to get that reference. If you do, you're cooler than I thought you were. Um, oh, but, awesome. uh, uh, but no, I, I just think it would be a, 
one of those like landmark, you know, moments where they they build up to him like for the first time and probably only time ever a Kelly Carey duet. So there you go. That would be epic. I want now I want that to happen. You just spoke <laughs> that into the universe. All right, uh, let me move right, on to uh, your turn. my first. Yeah, my first question here. Uh, this comes from Tina. How do you think that Kelly's musical career will keep evolving? Um, this is a uh, God. This is such a loaded question because it it basically is just speculation. Um, but I mean, the great thing is is that Kelly is such a chameleon. Um, she really has shown, like with her talk show, she can cover and do any genre of music. Uh, and and like I have always said, you know, a lot of times she'll cover somebody's song and basically steals it from them. She does a better job than the original. Um, I think, you know, if we're if we're speaking just specifically about her next album, I think from everything we've heard already, her next album is probably going to be something between an angry Taylor Swift breakup record. Think like the Red album and a sweet ballad filled Whitney Houston album. Um I think it's going to be a nice mesh of those two things. I mean, obviously, I, I have no inside knowledge of what this is. This is just purely based off of speculation, based off of where her headspace is. Um, you know, she's already, you know, sort of dropped some hints that this is going to be a pretty emotional album. Uh, it's just a matter of which side of the emotion we're looking at, you know, whether it's going to be we're never getting back together again or I will always love you. Uh, which is it going to be? Who knows? Um I think that the tone is definitely going to be the opposite of meaning of life. Um, you know, for without trying to sound uh, sad about it, you know, she sounded very in love in that album. Um, and I think it's going to be a stark contrast to the next album. Uh, looking a little bit further than that, I think the country album is still inside of her. I think it's there. Uh, she just needs to find the right songs, um, paging Shane McAnally, um, <laughs> and uh, and she needs to find the right producers to make it happen. Uh, but I think it's in there. I think it's going to happen someday. I don't think she's going to do a complete, you know, left turn and go country completely. I just think that she's got it in her. Uh, we saw that with uh, Don't Rush with Vince Gill. I thought that that was a beautiful song. Uh, showed her versatility, obviously, and her capability of doing a very sweet countryish song. Um, the big thing here, and and I don't want I don't want the ladies to to take offense to this, but because I'm I'm gonna make sure I try to say this in the right way. But I would like to see her sing her age. Um, I want yeah, to. Yeah, I, I I get that. I want her to sing age appropriate stuff. Um, you know, Kelly is knocking on the door of her forties. And if I could be so bold to say, I don't want her to become a sad shell of who she was like Madonna and Cher who are out there in their sixties and seventies trying to sing songs like they're still in their twenties and thirties. Uh, and I don't mean like they're still singing their hits from when they were in their twenties or thirties. Like Madonna is still trying to make records that make her sound young and I'm sorry, yeah. it's not working. Um, there's a reason that, you know, her last couple albums have sold for crap. It's because it's just not resonating with the audience. The audience, I don't think, wants to hear that. Um, I would, you know, look, uh, 
I think Barbara Streisand is a really good example of an artist who sang her age. I mean, don't get me wrong. She wasn't a like pop singer playing dance songs when she was younger, but right. you know, in her, in the latter part of her singing career, you know, she was definitely singing songs that made sense for an artist of her age. Um, and again, I'm, I know this might come off weird or sound weird to some people be like, oh, she can sing whatever song she wants to sing. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's gonna, it look Madonna singing like dance songs in her sixties. It's sad. It's sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, I get what you're saying, and I feel like I'm trying to, like, think of a way to phrase it. So, like, if anyone isn't understanding what you're saying, I mean, okay, again, we don't necessarily want to, like, have age discrimination against anyone. Right. But it's more kind of like, you know, at this point in her career and her life, you obviously wouldn't want a song like My Life, My Life Would Suck Without You coming out. Yeah, as she's like 38, 39. Yeah. Um, because even as like a 27 year old, I wouldn't not that I'm a singer, but like I still wouldn't even sing something like that. Um, and you know what? I think the last album, I think Meaning of Life, I think was a for the most part, it was kind of a start of a I don't want to say departure because we don't necessarily want her like abandoning a certain sound or a mm-hmm. certain vibe, but I think it was a step in the right direction as far as um maturity goes yeah i don't think i don't necessarily think any of the songs on meaning of life were really like um younger than her maybe the only one maybe could be like love so soft but like i don't even know if you even you know i still think that it was a great fit and i think yeah she nailed it and i didn't think it was weirdly out of place but like i think meaning of life was the first album where it's like it was kind of her first like really grown up album. I still always joke that mm-hmm. piece by piece was her album that she didn't want to do because she thought she was done with RCA. <laughs> and then they're like, just yeah. kidding. Um, the greatest hits album didn't count. And uh, <laughs> so I feel like piece by piece was just like, just let's just take random songs, throw them on an album. And here's what you get. Yeah. Um, but no, I, so I, I think she's heading in the right direction. I mean, I'm what I love to have a breakaway I don't want to say 2.0. I mean, no one wants like a duplicate of an album, but I would be down with like something that maybe sonically feels the same way, mm-hmm. but lyrically could be a little bit, you know, grown up because she's not 22 anymore. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she's on the right path. I don't think we're going to be getting um, like, I'm trying to think like Miss Independent, My Life Would Suck Without You stuff. Yeah. Like right now i think it's gonna be kind of a different vibe um as far as a country album i think i'm one of the few fans who is like i don't want a country album i just don't and if i do get one i mean don't rush to be good or like i want something that sounds like miranda lambert or like little big town like that kind of vibe where it's more like rock pop rocky or fleetwood mackie other mm-hmm. versus like like yeehaw like i don't know this is like, oh yeah just the I new don't... yorker me talking i don't want like yeah. And I don't think I don't think she will. I don't think she will. But I'm. I used to be a big country fan, and I'm not liking it as much now. I like maybe like four artists, so I, mm. I wouldn't. I don't care if we never get a country album. I'll be fine with it. But I know a lot of people want one, so whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think once the kids get older, um, even like high school possibly, or if they get when if they decide to go to college or once they graduate high school i think that would be the time if she were to do broadway that would be when, when that the was, kids are old enough that was my other my last point on this is that yeah i do think that there is a broadway show at some point in her future um i'm i'm 
I'm game to see that. I would love to hear her do like a big Broadway soundtrack. I think that, you know, that fits right into her wheelhouse. So that that's also a hope for me. And I think that that is also on the horizon. And that's, I mean, she has said in the past that she would love to do it. So it's not like we're going out on a limb here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see what, what, what happens. All right. What's the next question you got, Pam? This is from Chelsea. Um, this is from my, my good friend, Chelsea. Uh, if you could only listen to one, Kelly's song on loop for the rest of your life. What would it be and why? And you can also list a live song if you wish. Um, Mine, I'm going to have the most basic answer on the planet, and I don't care. Mine will be Since You've Been Gone. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you why. Because it's, well, it's A, it's a song that made me become a huge fan. And even though we've heard it 10 billion times, each of us, it never fails to get me in good mood. Yeah, I don't. I can listen to that over and over and over, and I don't. It will get stuck in my head, and I don't mind. Obviously, there's a lot of songs that get stuck in your head, and you're just like, "Oh my god, make this end!" But that song, I just the studio version. I'll just keep it to there. <laughs> Break it always away. makes me happy. Break away. Break away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, side, you're not alone with that. Side question, though, and I don't mean to derail uh, her question here. No, but you're good. Do you think we've heard the end of Breakaway on tour? I mean, outside no. of Vegas residency, I mean, because she's going to have to play it there. But do you think that we're we're to the no. point where she can move on from that song? You know, she can doesn't. Can she move on? You know, she can doesn't. Can she move on? Yes. Will she? Probably not for a while. You no. know, she doesn't like to sing it. You know, she's over it. Yeah. And the fans are bored of it. Yeah. I mean, it's really just, it's the like. <laughs> No, I better not. That was my it. bathroom break song during the Meaning of Life tour. If I had to pee, I went during Breakaway. <laughs> Sorry, I just, but I think she would she would she would be fine with that because she's like, I don't really want to sing it either. But I, it's one of her most famous ones. I just remember seeing, you know, when uh when Kelserts were a thing still and like when people Kel-certs. were when people were texting in uh, you know, the set list as it was going on, it was always breakaway followed by an eye roll emoji. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, what would what would yours be? Uh, mine's stronger. Mine. I will be equally okay. yeah. equally basic and go with stronger. Nice. Um, that I mean, I could be at a CVS. I could be in my car. I could be you know walking past one of my radio studios that's playing it, and I will stop and I will listen to that whole song. Um, it's you know, and I love since you've been gone. Don't be, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think if if I were to put the two head to head, stronger is my favorites of all of them it's the one that i will never get tired of hearing i always go completely fangirl crazy at shows whenever it comes out so um yeah that's an easy one for me nice all right next question for you okay uh this one is from joe and it says do we ever expect rca to certify over half of kelly's discography when which still needs riaa certifications and if not, is there a way Atlantic can certify those singles and albums, even though she's recorded them with RCA? Whew, there's a lot here. Um, first of all, Joe, there is only one RCA album that has not actually been RIAA certified. And by the way, the RIAA is the Recording Industry Association of America. They're the ones who keep track of albums that go gold and platinum, for those that don't know. Uh, the only album that hasn't been certified is All I Ever Wanted. Um, Technically, that album, at least according to my research, that album has sold over a million copies. So it's definitely gold. Technically, yes, it is also platinum. Um, But I wouldn't look for RCA to go out of their way to to give any effort to validate it for certification. Uh, The way that it works is that 
the record labels have to report to the RIAA with the sales figures to let them and with the with the the shipping figures as well. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, they have to send them the figures in order to tell them, hey, this is officially qualified to be a platinum album or a gold album or a gold single, whichever, whatever have you. Um, look, as far as RCA is concerned, she's an artist that's no longer on their roster and makes them very little money at this point. Uh, they don't need to do her any favors. Um, on the other hand, Atlantic, they can't validate any releases from another record label. They don't have the figures to send to RIAA. And, and honestly, um, you know, as much as they love Kelly now and as much as RCA once loved Kelly, um, our, uh, Atlantic is not going to do RCA any favors. I mean, they are still they're still competing labels. And so they're not. Gonna, yeah, absolutely. They're, yeah, they're not going to do anything to help each other. Uh, otherwise, Kelly's certifications are up to date. Um, you know, unfortunately, meaning of life is still a ways from being certified gold. Um, it is, I believe, only in around the 300 to 350,000 copies sold mark. Um, look, you know, it's, it's, it's time to have some, to sit down and have some real talk here and be completely truthful. Um, you know, Kelly is on the back end of her high selling portion of her career. It's just a fact. Um, this happens to all artists, uh, and it happens to the greatest of artists. It happened to Whitney Houston. Uh, it happened to Madonna, uh, it's happening actually right now to a couple of really big artists, uh, Katy Perry and yes, Taylor Swift. It is happening to both of them. Um, you know, they had their highs with some of their early albums, but their most recent ones are not selling as well as you might think. You know, we hear about how Taylor Swift is, you know, got this Midas touch that, you know, she puts out an album and instantly it's triple platinum. And that's actually not the case. Um, her most recent album's reputation that only sold 3 million copies, despite having a couple of different versions out there. Lover only sold 2 million copies, despite the fact of having a standard version and four like deluxe diary versions. And Folklore has only just sold its 1 millionth copy. Um, it actually just got certified uh, like about a week ago from the RIAA as a, as a 1 million uh, platinum selling album. And never mind the fact that they put out 10 different versions, all the same album, just with different album covers. I mean, yes, there are a handful of those crazy fans who are going to go out and they're going to buy every single album variation and whatnot. And we definitely are not one to talk because we do that. And Pam and I, we just yeah. literally talked about that in our collecting Kelly uh, episode last week. Um, but Kelly doesn't, uh, Kelly doesn't care about certifications. You know, we've, we've famously heard her talk about the room where she keeps all of her trophies and plaques and all that. And she, you know, she hides those away. It's, it's not super important to her, but at the same time, she still got like 23 gold and platinum certifications, be it albums or singles. Um, I think it's the fans that care a little bit more about it just because it's kind of a scoreboard thing. Um, but I really wouldn't put too much worry into it. I would much rather her come out with an album that we love versus coming out with an album that you're trying to get platinum status or or double platinum status or whatever. Um, and anymore, I mean, look, look at the at the charts. You can and you can openly see the latest certifications on the RIAA's website. A lot of them are singles. Singles are what go gold and platinum these days. It takes a long time for an album to go platinum. And even in the case of like a Taylor Swift again, you know, she sells and she's one of the few that is still 
really good at selling physical copies. And, you know, you can see she's actually doing the effort. You know, she's putting out variations of covers and special editions. And even after all of that effort, she's getting to just now the one million mark on her latest album. And that came out in what, July? Um, you know, it's not like yeah. the days when, you know, Eminem and NSYNC would sell two million copies in the first week. It's just not that way anymore. You know, it's it's a yeah. streaming and it's a digital world. People don't buy the physical copies. And so the the way that the the algorithm works when it comes to streaming is you have to stream like a whole bunch of times to equal one sale. I, I don't yeah, remember. It's like it's a. I used to know this. It was like you have to stream like a song or like an album, like at least it's like a couple thousand, like at least a thousand or 2000 times. Like it's absurd. Um, yeah. I mean, even coming just from like a management like side, cause I knew, I don't nothing about um, certifications cause any artists I work with, I work with all indie musicians. So like, this is not even like in our realm to even think about. Cause like none of our artists are selling a million copies. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a streaming world. It totally is a streaming world. You have to listen to a song or an album so many times for it to even count as one sale. Yeah. Um, good luck um, because Spotify and Apple, they pay artists crap, I'm, you know. Yeah. Um, and to, to be honest, I mean, obviously labels, they want to make money, but they are kind of realizing now that um, you had – honestly – Labels, obviously, they 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 want to sell albums, but like I have friends who work. I actually have a friend who works at Atlantic. She doesn't work with Kelly, so don't ask me. I don't have any inside info, but <laughs> I truly don't. But what she works in like the streaming departments, and but a big part of her job is getting the artists onto um, the official Spotify playlist. So if you're a major artist, you have priority about getting onto these major Spotify playlists, and that's where. They make the money because if you're on a Spotify official playlist, more people are going to be listening to your music. Yeah. Instead of, you know, that just made, that makes sense. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know how many how many major artists are in this, but I know this is a thing. It's called a 360 deal. A lot of times, artists will set will sign contracts with labels, and it's a 360 deal, meaning the label doesn't just get money off of the album sold. They will get a portion of kind of a little bit of an artist's career, especially touring. Because yep. not during non-COVID times, touring is where artists make money. You make a ton of money from ticket sales. You can do as much as you want. You can do VIP packages. You can do extra merch. You can do including an album um, with your ticket. Although I feel like Billboard recently said that they're not, they're going to start not counting those. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about that. But anyway, touring is obviously where artists make the money these days not with the physical album sales so record labels are also some this is a very um it's on a case-by-case basis um where labels will take a portion of what's made from your tours um as far as recouping money as i'm using a lot of work terminology i apologize yeah basically like a, a label will shell out a ton of money when an artist comes out with an album and Nowadays, artists are not making all that money back. So a lot of them um, give a portion of their tour sales back to these labels in order to pay back what the label had spent on promoting the album in the first place. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, I think I think what it is yeah. is that the, the the record labels are taking less from less of a cut from the albums 
than they used to. And instead they're taking a little bit from merch. They're taking a little bit from touring, uh, anything that basically has the artist's name on it. They take a little bit of that rather than taking the majority of their cut just from album sales, because that's where uh, a lot of these uh, record labels used to make all their money was they would take, you know, huge portions out of the album sales. And then the artist was left to go off and fend for themselves on tour and with merchandise. And it, the balance of that changed over the course of the last 20 years where albums started to make less money and touring and merch started to make more money. And so that's where you saw that the labels had to start pivoting and changing up their deals because they weren't making nearly as much money off of, off of albums. And that's why the, the industry fought so hard when Napster and all the, and LimeWire and all these different uh, download services came in because they were undercutting and pretty much stealing directly from the labels themselves because that was their only source of income from an artist. So that's why they fought back so hard. Yeah, I think the the moral of the story, we'll wrap up this question. The moral of the story is obviously to a label, yeah, they want their certifications, but it doesn't have as much cred as it used to. Yeah. Now it's more of how many tickets did, did you sell? Who did you tour with? Who did you open for? Who opened for you? Uh, what kind of venues did you play? What were your sales like? Honestly, that's what the industry as a whole, just from me working in on that side, that's what the industry cares about. They don't care. They don't care what label you're on. They don't care what kind of label. They just want to see results and see that you have fans. And just that's to really wrap, it. and just to wrap up my last point because I did say earlier I wanted to pay this off. But um, when it comes to to album sales and what designates a certification, uh, the certifications are actually made by albums shipped and not necessarily albums sold. So really, yeah. So um, a great example of this, and I'll go back to Taylor Swift, is. She's actually like, I'm going to take some of her first albums. She's actually sold uh, five, like five and a half to five and three quarter million copies of her debut album. That album is actually credited as seven times platinum, which makes no sense because you're thinking, okay, seven times platinum would mean sold seven million copies. RIAA is just in America. It's not the world. doesn't matter about worldwide sales. It's just the United States. But she has her label has reported that they have shipped over seven million copies of that album. So they classify that as a sale, so to speak. And so that's why it's certified as seven million sold. Um, Arguably, I mean, there's some and I'll tell you why that. And again, I didn't mean to make this even longer, but there's a point to be made. Um, Arguably, (laughs) one of Taylor's most successful albums is actually her second album, which was Fearless. Um, That sold in the U S seven over 7 million copies, but it is actually certified diamond, which is 10 million copies sold. Uh, there's some gray area in here because that album, she actually re-released as uh, like a platinum edition. I think it was ironically enough. Um, so there's like, yeah. a, there's the standard version. Then several months later, she found a bunch of songs when she was working on the record after that. And she instead put them out on a special edition of the fearless album. And so it got an extra bump in sales, which is why it ended up getting certified diamond. Um, if you take the the extra edition uh, Fearless out, 1989 is actually her best selling album, and that has been uh, certified at nine million. It actually has only sold six over six million. Uh, so again, it's more about how much you have shipped versus how much is actually sold. Now that said, Kelly is actually more in line with 
sales versus shipped copies. And maybe that's the good thing. Maybe it's because she's actually selling the copies that go out versus, you know, a bunch of Taylor's albums just sitting on shelves all over the place. Um, but like my December is a good example. That album is actually only sold about 850,000 copies, but it has been certified platinum. That's one example in Kelly's case where she actually has not sold a million copies versus yeah. uh, all I ever wanted, which has sold over a million copies, but does not have the certification at all. All right. So we went really, really deep on that question. We um, hope you learned something. And we, we went yes. on a huge tangent, but maybe you learned something from this. So yay, knowledge. <laughs> okay. We're going to switch topics. We're going to – um. okay. My next one is going to be – um. It's going to be from – I might butcher your name, and I'm really sorry if I do. Um, I think this is from Surrey, um, a song that we need her to cover. So I have a I, I have a whole list, but I thought of a new one that I may, I've definitely not mentioned on here. And I was looking through the uh, Casey fan request tag on Twitter, the old one, yeah. last night. And I don't think anyone's ever requested this. So if this somehow pops up from someone, not me – I want to say that I put this out there first. <laughs> I'm kidding. Someone may have actually put this out there. Um, a song that I really, which I actually didn't realize was a cover until a few weeks ago. Um, it's a really random song. It is by Destiny's Child, Emotions. Oh, yeah. Do you know that song? Yeah, and that is a cover. That's a, that's it a, is a cover. Yeah, it's an older song. And the harmonies on that song in the chorus, oh, my God, they just, like, tug at me. They are so good. And if you don't, if you haven't heard the song, like after this episode, please go check it out. It is just really good. And I think her with the background singers, they would just do such a beautiful job with it. I have a lot more covers, but that's just the one I'm going to put out there. And it's funny because you said earlier in the episode that you were a big fan of this group. Uh, that is originally a Bee Gees song. Is it a Bee Gees? It's a Bee Gees song. Okay. Yes. I forgot who it was. I knew it was a cover. I couldn't think of who it was, though. Yeah. Go back and listen to the Bee Gees version because it's yeah. uh, it's a solid version, and I, and I love yeah. that song Yeah. They're very lot. different, but um, yes. they're both really good. Um. Oh, my gosh. It is so hard to pick out. Like, I literally would – like, right here, this is where I would have just been like, ah, screw it. Play Wonderwall. But she's already covered Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway here's wonderwall <laughs> exactly um and i just got my my wish of her covering fiona apple's criminal uh so oh my god i yes yeah so, so it's it is really really difficult for me i mean i'm sitting here looking at what my, about a dave matthews song is there any that you want her to cover you know that's a good that's a good one there. I'm surprised um, you didn't say him in your dream collabs i was like waiting for that you know i i Dave Matthews does not collaborate a lot. Um, and so I I just I didn't see that ever happening. I mean, I threw the ones out there that I did because I thought there was a snowball's chance in hell of them actually happening. Um, right. But, yeah, I don't see the collab happening with Dave Matthews. But if I were to have her cover one of his songs, um, there's the there's the popular choice part of me. And then there's a lesser popular choice. I think I would say. I mean, Crash Into Me would be great to hear. I was waiting cover. for that one. <laughs> That's the popular choice. But there's another – there's a song off of Under the Table and Dreaming called Lover Lay Down that is a beautifully sung song by Dave himself. To hear Kelly sing it, I would be a puddle. I would just – it would melt because it would be <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, if she would do Lover Lay Down, that would be really, really incredible because I don't think she's nice. covered any Dave Matthews ever. So that no. – yeah, I'll go with that. 
All right. All right uh, your turn. My next question. This one comes from Terrence. It says, how many times uh, you play singles off of iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, et cetera, help determine if it gets played on the radio? Um, okay, Terrence, I can definitely take this one as the uh, resident radio guy. Uh, very little, actually, is the short answer. Um, radio stations pay a lot of attention to many different metrics when they decide whether or not a song is going to get played. Uh, yes, they do look at iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music. They look at all of those charts just to see like how popular a song is. Uh, but also radio stations rely a lot on each other. Uh, they do what are called peer groups where they keep track of stations that are in similar formats and in similar sized cities. And they look and see what those stations are playing. And if they are playing a song that maybe your station is not playing, they'll say, okay, you know, that seems to be popular with our peer group. We will play it or we will play it more. They're not playing it as much. We'll play it less, uh, that sort of thing. Um, you know, obviously, record labels, uh, independent promoters uh, have a lot to say about that. Um, they, you know, record reps from various companies will be hitting up radio stations on a weekly basis, asking them to listen to songs, asking them if there's any chance that they could goose the spins on a song to help out an artist. Um, and there, there was a really fascinating article uh, in Rolling Stone a few weeks ago about pay for play and about yep. uh about promoters um, trying to get on behalf of labels, trying to get radio stations to play songs more often. It's, it's the whole plug Ola payola thing where, you know, labels essentially pay for songs to be played more so that an artist can get a number one song. I mean, if you, if you find it, go look it up on Rolling Stone. It's a fascinating article and it's sort of the, yeah. it's a big blotch on the history of the radio industry. And it unfortunately is still going on today, which is really sad. Um, I will say where where the iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, where that does matter is actually whether or not an artist will tour in your city. Yes. Um, you know, artists and labels pay very close attention to album sales and streaming numbers in particular markets. They want to know. Where are we doing well? And this is this is bigger, and Pam can probably speak a little bit to this. This is more yeah. prevalent with baby bands, newer bands, smaller acts. Like, you know, your your Dave Matthews, your, I mean, even Kelly Clarkson's, Carrie Underwood's, they just go and be like, all right, let's play these markets. Let's make sure we hit these ones. But then, you know, let's try and throw in a couple of markets we haven't played for a few tours. And they just kind of scatter themselves all over the place. Other times when you have a smaller band, they will actually do the research and find out where their music is very popular and they will seek out venues in those cities. So it kind of becomes a, you know, that's why you're getting people playing Kalamazoo, Michigan and Terre Haute, Indiana and Des Moines, Iowa. And then they'll go to Kansas City and then Dallas yep. and then they go to El Paso for some reason. It's like there is a reason and there's a method behind the madness. And that yeah. is that they are looking at album sales and album sales and streaming numbers because they want to go somewhere where they're going to pack the house where they can sell a lot of tickets because, as we just said, they make their money off of ticket sales. And so they want to go somewhere where they know they are a sure thing. And one of the best ways to find out is if you're a sure thing in a city is how much people are listening to your music. Pam, I'm sure you can expound on that. I have a lot. Well, I'm going to keep it short because this is not this is turning into a not Kelly podcast. But no, I think it's interesting. I mean, if people are ever interested in the industry, I think 
you know, the two of us have some insight. So hopefully you guys are appreciating this. Um, Yeah, I do. uh, What Jeremy just spoke about is literally what I do for my job during non-COVID times. Um, I'm not an agent. I don't work for an agency, but working in management, you work with every, like I work, I, you know, work with agents. I email with agents regularly. I email with radio promoters on the regular. So like I work with everyone in a sense. But um, yeah, most of my most of my clients are on the, the smaller side, so sometimes they'll you know go on tour with a bigger artist. But you know, one example is one of my artists opened for the Counting Crows a few years ago, and they did like the big amphitheater tour. Um, so, but there was like points where you know they're my the band is based in New York, but they were in like you know like in the Seattle area and they're like, well, we have five days off where, you know, Adam Duritz can just chill and do whatever. Yeah. But for a baby band, you kind of have to hustle and play a few shows in between because you have to make money to pay for your hotels and pay for food. Um, anyway, that being said, if you, um, if you're an artist or you work for an artist, you have um, artists for Spotify analytics where you can literally see what songs are playing in what cities, your top cities, your top age demographics. You, They have so many different stats, at least on Spotify. I think they have, they're have. they starting to do it more on uh, Apple as well and on Pandora. And, um, you know, so that definitely helps figure out, like, routing for a, a, a tour. Um, so even if you're doing a tour with just that band or you're doing two small bands together, you, you work with your agent to see where – you're getting the most plays and hopefully you'll get, you know, if you get like 3000 plays a month in um, Memphis, then ho- you're hoping that you can play like a 75 to hundred person club in Memphis and sell most of it out. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. It doesn't always translate, you know, you have to realize that, but um, it's definitely a good tool um, as far. And as far as radio goes, um, you know, you find out which stations, which markets are playing your music and you can also kind of, book your tour around those stations as well or if you're going from i'm just using random cities if you're going from i don't know like boston to new york you're doing two different shows there you can find a radio station that's kind of in the middle that's maybe playing your song and you can either do a show there or you can stop at that station do a station visit um you know I mean, Jeremy can speak for that. I'm sure you yeah. get artists normally coming in all the time doing station visits just to do like an interview or like an in-studio performance or something. Yep. And it's usually like during a tour or an album promo cycle. Yep. So, yeah, we're kind of going on a ra- random tangent there. But um, but this is what yeah. we're here for. This is what that's what, what we're our, here. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is our expertise that uh, that most people may not realize the business side of music. And there is I mean, it's look, it's a business at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, this is this is literally how the sausage is made, which is, I think, is kind of part of the reason why we're here. So, yeah. So yeah. hopefully, Terrence, then, uh, that answers your question. All right, Pam, what's yours? So my next question is it's from Kurt, who we had on one of our first episodes. He was yeah. in our Stan Stigma episodes. And I like this question. Hey, Kurt. Um, uh, hey, Kurt. Uh, do you think Kelly would ever listen to this podcast or know that it exists? And if she only listened to one episode, which would you want it to be? So... I, don't, I doubt she knows it exists, and I don't think this is something that she would listen to necessarily on the regular. However, um, <laughs> let me listen to a podcast about me. <laughs> about me. What do you um, think of me? That sounds her, very on produce, brand. It's so, yeah, God, no. Um, her producer, Alex, has liked a couple of our posts on Instagram. So I think Alex knows we exist. We are on the radar. I have no idea. 
We are on the radar. I have no idea if her or anyone on the Kelly Clarkson show team has actually listened. I I have no idea. If they but are listening, think, hello. Hey guys, what's up? But um I, Alex is aware that we exist. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um and I'm not like doing any sort of weird hints. Like we have no we're literally not hiding anything. That's literally all we know. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally all we know. Look, when, um, when when Pam and I created this podcast, we um you know, the goal is that the ultimate goal is that we want to have Kelly on the show. Um, and I think that that is a very attainable goal. I think it will happen someday. Um, and we definitely are going to start reaching out soon. We wanted to get a good base underneath us of, you know, get our feet about us doing the podcast. And we are going to start reaching out to band members. Uh, I'd love to have Alex on the show. Um, and then ultimately, yeah, we want to we want to bring Kelly onto the show and uh, talk with her so that she can talk directly to you guys. Um, so, yeah, you know, does she know it exists? Eh, I would probably venture to doubt. Um, but, you know, in, in the back of my head, you know, has Alex ever said, hey, by the way, there's a podcast about you and just maybe said it to her in passing. And she's like, oh, cool. And that was probably the, the extent <laughs> yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, or who wants to talk about me, you know, as yeah. in normal Kelly, you know. Um, but if she could only listen to one episode, which one would it be? That's a great question. I mean, funny enough, this is total coincidence. I might choose Kurt's episode, The Stand Stigma, because I think it's really important for her to kind of hear everyone's story. Because obviously we all have different reasons why we're fans and how we became to be a fan. And I think she may appreciate that and um, appreciate everything we everyone has gone through. I'm kind of rambling, but I think because like all, most of the other episodes that we've done have been like, you know, either like ranking X, Y, and Z or fan, yeah. whatever. Um, but I think actually having kind of, it was, it was more of a serious episode, but it definitely um, explained a lot. And, you know, I obviously she doesn't really talk to her fans about why they like her. Because that, yeah. that would be weird of her to be like, so why do you like me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think hearing that would would be kind of cool. And yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my answer. What, what about you? What do you think? I would love for her to hear any of our episodes that sort of focus around the Mike Kelly experience. Because yeah. I think it would be great for her to hear what a little part of her day means in the grand scheme to fans. Um, you know, a lot of our My Kelly Experience uh, episodes end up with uh, the artist meeting Kelly at some point. And those interactions, for those of you who have had them before, you know that those interactions are very short. She is a very busy person. We're not there to become her best friend. Um, you literally get, in some cases, a matter of seconds to to converse and to connect with her. But the lasting effect of that it goes so much further than those few seconds. And as you've heard in some of our previous episodes, people can tell 20 minute stories about the effect of something so small yeah. in Kelly's world had on their lives. And so I think it's important for her, even though it may not be the most comfortable thing for her to hear about people, you know, fawning over her and showing her adulation. I think it's important for an artist to hear the impact that their work that they do and the small amount of time they take out of their day, the kind of impact that that has on people's lives, because an artist can like Kelly can change people's lives for the better. Um, and so many of us, so many of us have these great stories that we can tell 
about our lives being enriched by something that took her no more than 60 seconds to do in her life. Yep. I think that you put it really well. Great. All right. Uh, another question for me here. This one's from Jennifer. It says, what do you think the effect of COVID will have on meet and greets in the future? Ooh. Um, Yikes. Look, here's another time where Uncle Jeremy is going to have you sit down and we're going to talk some truth. Here. <laughs> um, no, uh, nobody's meeting Kelly Clarkson for a while um, or any artist, yeah. really. Um, I yep. think that it is going to be a while, uh, truthfully, before we get back to to normal. And when I say normal, I mean going to concerts um, and seeing live music in person. I know that there are some out there and, you know, no judgment on whether you're, you know, attending these shows and whatnot. But I think when it gets back to the point where we can have shows on the road from Kelly, um, it's going to be a long time. And I think even then we are going to see less access to artists until, you know, a vaccine has been approved and that they know that the majority of the populace has taken it. Um, I think that the way that the touring world is going to come back is that you're going to see smaller acts come back first. Uh, truthfully, the ones that really yep. sort of rely and I can really, speak for this. Yeah. really need that touring venue or that touring revenue rather. Um, they're the ones that are going to come back first and then it's going to be progressively larger acts before finally the arena and stadium acts come back. And then I think it's still even going to be a little while before everyone feels completely comfortable to have fans come backstage and, and meet an artist. Um, it's not going to be like what they're talking about for, you know, Santa Claus this year where they put them behind a, in a snow globe or something. And the kids just kind of walk up to the snow globe and, <laughs> you know, take a picture with Santa. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a while. I mean, if I had to put a date on it, I would say 2022 at the best is yep. when we're going to maybe start seeing um, meet and greets really come back. And who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm literally just pulling out a, a year out of the top of my head, but that's, that's how I feel about it. No, it's smart. I mean, again, just from my work experience, um, you know, one of my clients, they had a full year of touring planned this year, and obviously that none of it happened. So we have it all in the books for next year, but realistically, I, I, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, my bosses are aware of it, but they don't want to necessarily accept it. But I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Um, we also have to kind of keep in mind that, you know, even the Meaning of Life tour, which was well before COVID was even a thing, she wasn't doing meet and greets. And that was, I mean, I think I have no confirmation on this i think a lot of it was because she was also filming the voice during the week you know she did the she did tour thursdays through saturdays and she was doing the voice like two days a week and prepping for the talk show and mm -hmm. just couldn't afford to get sick well before covid was even a thing yep. so i really don't think we're going to be getting the ingredients for a while i've even seen people oh we're you know do you think vegas is, vegas is going to happen next year honestly probably not um, the thing is Vegas would, I mean, this is kind of going off topic, but I feel like if so many people are wondering this, I might as well just talk about it. Um, Vegas ultimately is not, uh, promoting anything. It's essentially a greatest hit show to our knowledge. It's a greatest hit show, which in reality she can do whenever she's mm -hmm. always going to have these hits behind her. Um, you know, I don't know if there was any contractual things that she has to do it by this date, but I think because of COVID, a lot of venues are being more lenient. Um, it's not like she necessarily needs the money. Her 
band and crew, I'm sure, are getting something even if they're not working because she can afford to pay them. I don't know in particular, and it's not really my business, but I'm just doing a general what a big superstar at the moment who maybe lost money from touring, um, mm-hmm. what they're doing for their their crew right now. Um, I know me personally, I know I've been really on the really cautious side of COVID, whereas some people haven't been, but I've been super nervous about it. Um, I know people who are doing, you know, outdoor shows or they're doing indoor with limited capacity right now. And I know me, I know me even a year from now, I'm not going to be comfortable going to a normal show inside. And I don't know if we're going to have indoor full capacity shows by this time next year. I don't know if we're going to realistically. I know I personally will not be attending them, even if Kelly plays in New York in October of 2021. I doubt she will, but I will probably not be attending just because I'm like, super anxious and super nervous about this stuff but i think a lot of people are feeling the same way as me i know a lot i mean i'm i'm itching to go to a show but in realistic terms i don't think the meet and greet or the huge arena tours are going to be happening in the next year i will be shocked or if they do it's going to be at very limited capacity which almost at that point why bother if you're a huge star like you're paying so much money for a huge production you want to sell the place out so that's kind of a big tangent I went on not to be, <laughs> you know, not to be a huge Debbie Downer, but it's kind of just being like, this is what's up. I'm being realistic here. Yeah. Cause you know, people thought it was going to be gone by now and we're getting, it's getting worse everywhere. So be safe everyone. Cause we want to yeah. go to a concert soon. So yeah, exactly. We just, well we said. just went out. We just had a huge downer, but you know what? It is what it is. So just try to be responsible. And the sooner that this goes away, the sooner we get to see Kelly again. So that's the positive. So be Uh, smart, everyone. Pam, let's do one more question. You got one there? I do have one. And I don't know if you thought of it yet because it's a pretty loaded question. Um, It's like literally the first one that's on our list. So I can talk about it first if you want. And while I talk, if you want to like write down your answers. (laughs) Um. I want to preface that I feel like my answers for this question change often. Um, Some of them in the middle are very interchangeable. It was kind of hard to do this. But someone, um, her name is Jenna. Um, She asked, what are from favorite to least favorite Kelly albums are? Which is like such a loaded question. And I feel like this this changes constantly for me. The only one that is my constant is my number one. Like, that one will always be number one, but the rest, I'm like, it's what I'm feeling this week. So please don't yell at me because I know some of these answers are kind of controversial. So please don't, <laughs> please don't yell at me, okay? <laughs> okay, my number one. I don't know. Should I start with number one or go start with number eight? Uh, however you want. Go. Let's go uh, top to uh, bottom to top. Bottom to top, okay. Yeah. Um. So I won... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, yeah, eight. My number eight is Wrapped in Red. Um, I think it's a great album, but again, it's like, I will only listen to it for like two months out of the year. And um, I don't even celebrate Christmas, so I'm just like, it's a cool album, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever. I like it a lot, but it's it's always going to be at the bottom for me. Um, it's very much a November, December album for me, and that is it. Um, number seven, numbers, numbers four through seven, I can really kind of mix up in any order. So this is going to be a little controversial. I'm really sorry, guys. Um, number seven <laughs> is thankful, but I really do like the album. So, um, but you know, as I mentioned in our 
album breakdown a couple episodes ago. Some of the songs are kind of boring for me. They're just, and I, you know, it was her first album, so she, you know, her vocals aren't as strong as they are now. So some of the songs I don't feel like she's projecting as well as she could have. But um, if you listen to the episode, you know all of my thoughts about Thankful, and that is number seven. Number six, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I think this album was literally thrown together. It is piece by piece. Um, I think it has overall, like, really good pop songs. Um, I think it does get a lot of crap that it maybe shouldn't have gotten. Um, I know some of my favorite songs on this album, some people hate. Um, For some reason, people hate Bad Reputation. I think it's probably one of the strongest songs on the album. Um, Some people hate I Had a Dream. I think she should perform it with a choir, and I think it would sound super cool. Um, For some reason, people hate those songs. I don't really know why. Uh, But I really do think it was kind of just thrown together as like, oh, God, we still have one more album with RCA. Let's just throw in a bunch of random songs together. But um, I I really enjoyed the Piece by Piece tour. I will say that. Um, Number five, I'm going to get so much hate for. It's Meaning of Life. Um, I think the first side, the first seven songs for the most part, like Love So Soft through Medicine, side A, stellar solid incredible side b which is like i mean there's like two or three songs on side b i'll always listen to the rest i usually skip um my least favorite on that is probably everyone's favorite not everyone but um meeting a life had its third anniversary recently so i posted something like oh what's your favorite song from the album and on Instagram, like, almost everyone said, would you call that love? And I'm like, that is for sure my least favorite on the album. Um, wow. I know. Everyone loves it. And I'm like, I when I heard that on tour, I was like, this is the song you're choosing from the album? I was like, couldn't you have done Medicine or didn't I? But whatever. Um, yeah, side A, I love. And then eight, tracks eight through, what is it, 14? I'm like, eh, eh, it's all right. Yeah. Um, my number four might also be controversial because when you hear my number three, people are going to probably throw things at me. Um, <laughs> my number four is stronger. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. People are going to be like, why isn't this number one? And when they hear what my number three is, they're going to really hate me. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. Let me pull up the album, the stronger. I feel like it is really good. But again, there are some songs on here that I will always skip. Um, and I feel like whenever there's an album with skips, I always have to lower it down. Even if there's some really strong songs like Stronger or Let Me Down. Um, what else is on that album? My, my, it's really early, guys. Um, you Can't Win, um, The Sun Will Rise, Dark Side, Honestly, You Love Me. Those are all great. And then, I don't know, like songs like The War Is Over or like Breaking Your Own Heart, Standing In Front Of You. I'm like, they're there. I like them, but I usually never go out of my way to listen to them. My number three, I'm going to get so much hate for. (laughs) I love All I Ever Wanted. A lot of people can't stand this album and will probably put this as their least favorite. I don't know why. I love it. I think, um, I mean, it's definitely my least favorite album cover, and I think I've mentioned that in the fashion episode. I think it's, it's extremely photoshopped, but... I think collectively it's just an it's an incredible pop record. Um, 
don't let me stop you, all I ever wanted, if I can't have you. A lot of people hate why you want to bring me down, but I thought she nailed it. Um, long shot, I love, impossible. I think it has some of the best bonus tracks. I think The Day We Fell Apart is, and Can We Go Back? Oh my God. that They're just, I don't know. I think it's a really solid pop album, but a lot of people think it's just garbage and i'm like no guys i love it um i don't know i'm not really good at explaining things as you can hear i'm like well i like this song um anyway my number two is my december um and a lot of people are like this is kelly's angry album i'm like there's a lot of really upbeat stuff on this album like one minute how i feel granted the lyrics maybe aren't the happiest but like it's not that much of an email record there's some songs that are depressing but like it's it's a pretty much of, of a pop record. Um, Maybe is my all-time favorite song. So this will always have some cred, this album. Um, obviously, Sober is one of her best songs ever. You know, I think everyone can argue that. Um, What else is on this album? I actually know it's on the this album, guys. Don't judge me. It's just, I, my, <laughs> I just trying to list everything off the top of my head with barely any caffeine today is not working very well. Um. I think the one song on this on my December that did not translate well um, was "Is Yeah." Um, anyone who heard it on the Addicted Tour or uh, for me on YouTube during the Addicted Tour was like, "This song is fantastic live." And when I heard it on the CD, I was like, "This is so not good." <laughs> in comparison, it's a good song, but like in comparison, you're like, "Wow, this, this was so much better live." Um, but yeah, I think. We're going to probably get into a whole episode about this album and the Clive Davis BS, but... Um, oh, it's going it's to be two episodes. <laughs> it's going to be two episodes. And yeah. I just think this album deserved more credit from the masses. Obviously, it's a fan favorite, but I think for, from the masses, it should have gotten a lot more love. I know it was like kind of a major departure from my number one, which is Breakaway, but I thought it was... I think it's still stellar. Yeah, Breakaway. I, um, I will always go down with the Breakaway ship. I am... I'm not going to say number one fan because I absolutely despise when people use the term number one fan for anything, but I am one of the co-chairs or president or co-chairs of the Breakaway Fan Club. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> I love the album so much. Um, that is my one Desert Island album that I would take with me anywhere. There is no skips on that for me. Um, and I just think there is a reason why it's her most successful album to date. Um, it was a product, I will say it was a product of its time. If she released Breakaway in 2020, I do not think it would have done as well. I will say that right now. It was definitely, as Kelly has said, a aligning of the stars, but you will, she, I don't know if she's ever going to have another album that had five very successful chart topping singles. And I just think, you know, she's always like, oh, my vocals on that album weren't great. I'm like, I think your vocals were incredible on this album. And, um, I don't know. I, I know she was only 20, 21, 22 when she put it out or she was, yeah, she was 21 when it came out, but, um, I just think it's still some of her best material she's ever put out. It is just some solid pop rock songs and yeah, that's, I'm not a good arguer, but (laughs) whatever. I just, I love Breakaway. I love that so much. And my, I, I have the vinyl and I, my CD is, my CD case is a little cracked. My, it's the CD itself is a little scratched just because I used to play it every single day. Yeah. But that's okay. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go, go break away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible, if you listen to that for the last five minutes, I'm sorry. That was a terrible rundown, but so yeah, we got wrapped in red at number eight. Then I got thankful, uh, piece by piece, meaning of life, stronger, all I ever wanted, my December, and then breakaway is number one. Take it away, right. Jeremy. So for mine, um, I should say before I give you my, my least favorite album that a, a a bad Kelly Clarkson album would be a fantastic album for just about any other <laughs> That's artist. True. Yeah. So yeah. really in my mind, there is no bad albums, but we're being forced to rank these. So I won't say it's like the worst album, but I will say it's, you know, it's my least go-to album of any album. Uh, my number eight is piece by piece. Um, it has yeah. probably the least amount of songs that I crave to hear uh i i am with pam uh the piece by piece tour was fantastic thought it was great uh the piece by piece album does have one of my favorite kelly songs and that's dance with me uh it made for a fantastic show opener um i love second wind even though i oh so good i, I think i might like Marin morris's version better um but it's still i mean look again a bad version by Kelly Clarkson is going to be an astonishing version by anybody else. Uh, so there's just not enough songs on here. I look, I think that there was a lot of missed opportunity with the song that Kelly had with John legend. I know there's a lot of hate for that song. The two of them could have had a really great song as a duet together. Run, run, run was not it. Um, just not the best song uh, I thought for the two of them, but uh, either way that's, there was enough factors to put piece by piece as my, my least listened to album. <laughs> Let's say that uh, my yes. number seven is thankful uh, just because I think that this album for me has dropped as it's aged. Um, you know, it's, it's not who she is. It's, it doesn't speak to the person that she is. These are all songs that were written for her were given to her and she put them together. Uh, the soul of this album, I really love. And I, I do, you know, I, I love all these albums, but, you know, this one um, is the most detached from Kelly as a person. Uh, so that's why that album has continued to drop for me. I mean, if you'd asked me this question three or four years ago, Thankful would have been near the top of the pack, but it has been slipping in years. Uh, my number six is Wrapped in Red. I love Christmas Time. Um, I almost didn't include Wrapped in Red in my list just because it is a Christmas record and it sort of stands on its own. But. As a Christmas album, it's a fantastic album. Um, I think it, I really do. And I'm not doing this as a person wearing my Kelly Clarkson fan hat. Um, I really do think that it ranks up there with the Mariah Carey Christmas albums and the Bing Crosby Christmas albums. I really do think it is a very, very good Christmas album. Now, when you put it up against all of the rest of her catalog, yeah, there's other stuff that is better regardless of season. Um, so it's still a very, very good Christmas album. And I mean, I would put this, uh, up against just about any of them. Uh, my number five is going to be a little controversial and that is my December is number five for me. Um, I, I like this album a lot. Um, this was the album that worried me about Kelly's progression as an artist. I thought that, I think that every artist needs to have that album where they're like, no, this is the way I want to do it. This is the way I want to sing it. This is the song I want to sing. And that's that. 
I think every artist should have that album. And in some cases they should have that album moving forward. Um, but I think the stand that Kelly took for this record happened too soon in her career. Um, I think that she's making those albums now. I mean, meaning life is definitely that album. Um, but I don't know if my December came at the right time in her career. Um, and so it felt like an album. I mean, you just, you listen to that album and it feels like an album that has been dissed. Um, and it, it really does. I mean, sonically it sounds different than every other album. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you leave the Christmas album out of it, but I mean, it, it, it just sounds so much more different than anything else you put it next to. Uh, which is one of the reasons why people love it, which is great. And there are songs on there that I love a lot. Um, but just for me as a, a whole, as a collection, um, it's not one of my favorites. Um, yeah. That, I mean, I know that that's a fan favorite and people love it. And, you know, I loved the again, loved the tour. But uh, the album itself is just not um, not strong enough to uh to get into the upper echelon for me uh my number four is all i ever wanted i love this album oh thank really god do. everyone hates it i don't know why no i love this album i think it's great look at the end of the day kelly clarkson is a pop singer and this is a hell of a pop album um you know i think it's a little bit of a a, a strong course correction after my december um i think that this album coming right off of breakaway would have been really, really good. Um, and I think people would have been like, okay, she's done a great pop album and now she's continuing with another great pop album. Um, but it was almost like, you know, when you, you know, nod off at the wheel and you go into the shoulder and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, and you like <laughs> turn the wheel hard. That's what this felt like. It felt so poppy coming off of my December that um, it almost felt like too much. And don't get me wrong, the visuals with the album, the album photo shoot, the, the whole packaging, you know, it felt like, you know, you know, I really like, you know, dark chocolate for this uh, for this period of my life. And then all of a sudden I like cotton candy, you know, <laughs> it, it just it felt like that hard of a turn. Um so that's where there is some awkwardness with this album. But again, I mean, I'm with Pam. There are some fabulous songs on this album that I adore. Uh, and I agree with you. I think it has some of the best bonus songs. Um, Tip of My Tongue is another one that I really love as well. Um, I love Ready. Uh, I have loved that one um, from the first moment that we saw, uh, that we heard it rather. Uh, Long Shot has always been one of my favorite songs. I don't care that it's a Katy Perry song. Yeah. I love that song. That's so a great good. tune. Um, my number three is Meaning of Life. I think that this is the adult album that I had been waiting for Kelly to make. And it really does have some good songs. I 100% agree with you, Pam, on... Uh, the first half of the album and as it stands it's actually uh the way that the album lays out on vinyl it's pretty much side a yeah. side a is the superior side to side b um there are good songs on side b um i do like would you call that love uh, i do like slow dance i think that's a good song um but for me i mean it's side a all day uh you know when you have love so soft into heat into meaning of life. I mean, it's just so good. Um, I think this is one of those albums where the live performances 
are far superior to the recorded performances. And even those are really good. Um, and I'm going to say this now, and you're going to hear me really scream it and yell it and be angry <laughs> about it when we do our album breakdown someday of this album. Whole lot of woman should have been a single. It would have been huge. And I, to this day, am still furious that it was not a single. <laughs> that would have been, I legitimately believe that would have been her new, like, anthem song like Allah since you've been gone my life would suck without you stronger whole lot of woman was the next anthem song and it didn't get released and it is criminal I'm telling you right now and I'm saying this is and I'm legitimately angry about this it was criminal that that song was not released as a single that was a missed opportunity I think that could have bolstered the album sales it could have bolstered the life of that album and the fact that it wasn't put out and it was only put into like some promos for some ABC shows or whatever it was, that was garbage. That song deserved better. I am so passionate about this song because I love it so much. It was such a good song. It was a banger and it deserved better. Full stop. Jeremy, um, tell us how you really feel. I know. <laughs> Like I said, wait till the album breakdown when I just start crying and I'm just like, I don't understand what is wrong with you. That is literally um, me with, I mean, I don't know if I'm as passionate, but I'm pretty passionate. The same thing with Let Me Down on Stronger. I'm like, that yeah. should have been a single, but we'll get yeah. into that when we get into the into those albums. Please continue. Yes. Uh, my number two, and I mean, then that also unveils my number one. My number two is stronger. Uh, again, for a lot of the reasons that Pam said, uh, it's a fantastic album. It does have a couple of skips. Uh, I cannot believe you were able to talk the entire way through stronger and not mention the skip that is Einstein. Um, I'll tell you why, but you, you can talk first if you want. Uh, that's my skip. For, I mean, look, just about, I will say just about every album has a skip for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Einstein for me on that record is the skip um, just because I, I it's just got cringe lyrics for me. The lyrics um, this, are cringe, but the problem is like I genuinely love like the song itself. Like it's just uh -huh. like I think if the lyrics were good, it would be one of my favorites on the album. That's the thing. So like I will listen yeah. to it and just kind of tune out the lyrics. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, hello, the war is over. Let me down alone. The bonus track. Uh, Some will rise. And plus the singles. I mean, come on. I mean, that would have been a career defining album for just about any other artist. But for Kelly, it was just her second best album, you know. Um, and then obviously Breakaway is number one. I Ooh. completely agree with Pam. Uh, no skips. I have no notes. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I mean, it is the it was the perfect pop record. Uh, it is a cover to cover. Listen, um, you know, they're really there really isn't much more that can be said about that album. It really was a, uh, a fantastic album. Uh, and I guess, you know, Pam, we can maybe, you know, sort of give people a little bit of a heads up. One of the questions that we've been getting a lot lately is when are you going to do your next album breakdown? Because we will be doing breakaway for our next breakdown. Uh, we are planning to do that soon. Um, we are sort of purposely stalling a little bit because the 16th anniversary of the album is coming up at the end of November. So look for the album breakdown for Breakaway around then uh, so we can do it with a little more panache around the anniversary of the album just for, you know, for the sake of being near the anniversary. Yeah. And because like we also we don't want to like, you know, do like every you know third episode to do an album breakdown because we are hoping to have this go on for a while. So we want to keep you guys interested with other stuff. So yeah. will the Wrapped and Red one come out eventually? But 
I don't think it's going to be this year. No. We're going to go in order, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry, guys. I mean, if you have any wrapped red questions, just like tweet us and we can answer them there. But as far as a full breakdown, that'll be next year probably. So yeah. Anyway. All right. I think I think we need to close up the mailbag because we've gone really long today. But yes. um, we re- thank you so much for your questions. Please keep them coming. We will keep a, a list of all of your questions. Um, and in some cases, we'll even uh, answer some of them as we go on social media. We love answering your questions. We love seeing all the feedback coming in. Um, so please continue to send in those uh, questions and whatnot to uh, missintopodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send them to all of our social accounts. Next week on the show, we are going to do Kelly's most infamous moments. Some of the most uh, eyebrow-raising moments that have happened in Kelly's career. And we're looking forward to hearing uh, what you guys have to say about that as well, because I'm sure you guys will have some thoughts on that. Yes. And uh, until then, uh, you know, you can always subscribe to us and rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Some of you have already done that. And I love reading those. So thank you. Um, Thank you. One of the funniest ones that we have gotten. I mean, they've all been wonderful and I really appreciate it. But it was a really funny one. And all it said was like, please bring back Deb. I love Deb. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, and I sent that to Deb and she was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's amazing. (laughs) So um, we love Deb as well. But yeah, no, anyone who said like awesome things about the podcast and, you know, just having a Kelly outlet, we appreciate appreciate it and yes um you know without having listeners it would just be the two of us talking so yay for having listeners yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway until then um we will talk to you guys next week uh you can follow us and tweet us and all that fun stuff at missing the podcast and uh yeah think that's about it have a good week bye guys you've been listening to miss indie podcast the kelly clarkson fan podcast Miss Into Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>